Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited for you to hear from Coach Franz today on the podcast. He's a head football coach at Crown College up in Minnesota. Just an incredible story, passionate about coaching as a ministry and using the game of football to introduce young men to Jesus and encouraging them in their walk. So without further delay, let's jump right into it. Thanks for joining me today, Coach. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. I'll just start out with, I know we've talked about this off and on for a while and, you know, it's glad to finally have you on. And I know that, you know, God's timing is, is perfect. And so I'm just thankful for your, your willingness to do it. So let's start with, um, I just like to start with some background info, just, you know, listeners that may not be familiar with it. Tell us a little bit about um, where you grew up, a little bit about your family growing up and your family today. Yeah. Um, well, to start, I, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, three kids, five, five kids, or five in the family, three kids. I'm the youngest. Yeah, we grew up in a Catholic home and uh, went to Catholic school and did all that. Um, and that'll be tied in. I'm sure we'll talk about my faith journey. It's kind of hard to talk about my life without talking about my faith journey a little bit um, because. I was an atheist for a really, I don't know if you know this, Stuart, but I was an atheist for a really long time. At about 14, I broke from the church, and I like to get right into it because I grew up, and that's this is a part of my story and who I am. Um, I started coaching when I was 18. I picked the wrong school to go to, and I was back home in four days, and um, I was 18. I didn't have any purpose. I was an atheist, obviously didn't believe in God, had no direction or anything, and wanted to coach football, I guess. And so I started coaching when I was 18. And so now I've had 18 years of, shoot, this was year 18 of coaching for me. Um, but yeah, I started in St. Louis, started a high school, did six years at a high school, finished my degree at Lindenwood University, and then went and was a full-time teacher for two years. Coached there in St. Louis for a little while, and then wound up getting lucky. Well, not lucky. It's a part of my story, Stuart, but we I wound up, you know, I wanted to get out. I wanted to coach college ball. I didn't want to coach high school anymore. I did six years. I was like, I'm done with this. I want to go higher. Um, but couldn't break the ceiling because I had no contacts because I didn't play college football, of course. So uh, anyways, but luckily I got a an option to coach at the next level as a GA um, at Dort University. But the problem is Dort is a very, very strong Christian school. And... I was a staunch atheist at the time, but with my Catholic background, I had enough uh, head knowledge that I could, I, I lied through the interview. I tell everybody this, I'm an open book. I don't lie, but I lied through the interview. I got the job. I wound up coaching there for four and a half years. I got my master's there. I also wound up teaching there all while being an atheist. And I didn't find God at, at Dort, um, unfortunately. And I wind up deciding I got to get away from Christians take off. I was going to, they were starting a pro league. I don't know if you remember this, the NGL national gridiron league in Australia. Right. And uh, like 250 Americans were going to go down to Australia. They were starting a pro league. I was out. I'm like, let's go. I get away from Christians. I got to go. I got to bounce. Let's get out of here. And uh, the week I was going to leave for Australia, the league folds and I got no job. I got no faith. None of that. I'm just sitting at home going, what am I going to do now? Uh, that happened on a, what was it? That was a Saturday. The Sunday I send out my resume to a bunch of schools saying, I'm looking, I'll take anything. 
And then I got four job offers the next day, but every one of them, Stuart, was at a Christian school. Wow. And I'm laughing. I'm like, well, I'm trying to get away from Christians. I got to get away from these people. And then the only option I got is to go to a Christian school. So I took it again, still not a believer. And that's where I wound up at Trinity International with just a couple of phenomenal uh, men of God and phenomenal human beings who mentored and discipled me. And that's where I blossomed (laughs) and I accepted Christ. I've only been a Christian, uh, shoot, for five years now. Um, Wow. What I would say is an actual, so to be honest, the fact that I'm the head coach at Crown College uh, to me is there's no other way to explain how I got here except God. And the story, that's why, you know, it's abroad, my family, my background, like it's all interwoven because I think you got to know that I used to play for the other team and now I'm, I'm playing uh, for the right team. And it's just been an amazing journey. And if you told me six years ago, I'd be a head coach at one of the top Christian schools in the state of Minnesota, I would have said, you're out of your mind. And I would have never taken the job. And, and God's had me on a whirlwind in that time since I met Christ. I met my wife. She's just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I have two children, two, two baby girls, uh, five, you know, two years old and five months old or six months old. Sorry, this last weekend, six months old. So um, little baby Ailey and Mila. So we are, I'm a blessed man, Stuart. My, I always tell people my cup runneth over, right? Like I am just, it's just a phenomenal ride right now. What a story. <laughs> I mean, what a, I mean, I'm kind of, this is really odd for me, but kind of speechless, but just hearing that, and I think a lot of people do what you did. They can say the right things because of religion, yep. but I think what you described was a true encounter with Christ, and that's, yes. that's, that's, that's incredible. And the fact that you, excuse me, you are a head coach at a, <laughs> at a, at a Christian unit. University of Minnesota is amazing. So tell us a little bit about Crown and your job, your role there and kind of what, what you're building. There's a lot of excitement about Crown College. Yeah. There's listener, there's listeners that probably never are going, well, where is Crown College? Yeah. So <laughs> give us a little bit about what you're doing there. Yeah. I mean, the pitch is pretty simple. We're only 20 miles outside of the city of Minneapolis, um, but it's a small school. I mean, we're small guys. I mean, small. We want to be small and we want that type of relationship. We never want to be a big football program. If we're going to talk and this, could, we could go down a rabbit hole here. I think college football is broken. We treat kids like numbers. I got into college coaching so I could, or coaching period to make an impact. But uh, we've lost our way. Uh, so we're trying to keep things small. So to give you a, for instance, uh, my O-line group, I coach O-line. My O-line group last year was nine. And I was just talking to a buddy of mine last, last, and he goes, I said, how many you got in your room now? And he goes, we got, we got 35. And I said, well, how do you love on all of them? How do you, how do you, how do you have an impact? How do you have a relationship with everybody? And he said, well, you don't. And I asked him, I said, what do you do? You just love on the top 10 and the rest can figure it out. And he goes, that's exactly what happens. And I said, okay, well, well, that's not for me. These bigger, big box, we call them Walmart. Walmart programs, big box programs, we're the exact opposite. And we want to be a small group. We're going to be at about 70, which I feel is a sweet spot for us as a small school. And we're going to be intentional about our relationships and our discipleship. And 
I think that that's where the rubber meets the road for Crown. You don't come to Crown if you want a big school experience. We're a small school and that's who we are. And our flavor is really unique because you're going to get that on the football side, but you're also going to get that stuff in the classroom. So I just feel like I look at how Jesus built his, built his disciple. He had 12 guys, a small group where he invested heavily in them. And then those guys went out to make an impact. Well, that's the same model we use here at Crown and how we're building our program. We want a small group of guys. Uh, so then that way we can have deep relationships with our players, and then we can send them out into the world uh, to have an impact for Christ. And that's the theme and the thread around Crown. Um, it's interwoven into everything and all your classes and everything you do here. It is, I'm very turned off by schools who are Christian schools who talk about it uh, and don't live it out. And that is a huge hypocrisy to me. And I, I, I can't live that way. Um, and that's really why I didn't follow Christ when I was an atheist, because I had never met somebody who actually talked it and lived it. They would only talk to me about living it out and they would live the other. Well, actually, let's be honest. They were doing the same stuff I was doing. And I said, well, if your Jesus is so good, why would I want anything that you got? Because you and I are living the same way. At least I live with integrity. I don't believe and live it. You believe and you don't live it. Like, mm. so you have no integrity. Plus what you're saying is not anyways, but like I digress, but like crown is on this upward trajectory of growth and it's just a phenomenal place to be. I got to come in with a new president and he is just phenomenal in the past year. They put $15 million into the facility. So there's like this, like crown has, it's got this huge glow up lately. So like we've got new locker room, new weight rooms, new, like all the new cafeteria, like it's, it's amazing. They're building new dorms. I look out my window, they're building new dorms. Like it's this great growth of, of crown college. So it's just this really exciting place to work because one, I get to be intentional about my discipleship. And then two, I get to be at a place that's, that's not trending down or even like this place is about to, I don't know. It's like, if you feel it every day, when you walk in the office, there's this excitement because you feel like the roof's about to blow off this place because it's, it's the place to be. We always say there, there's no place like this place near this place. So you know what? Then this must be the, be the place. Like this must be the place. There's nothing like this. There's no experience in the country because of how small we are and how intentionally we've disciple like it. And it's one of a kind. And, and we're trying to just break the mold, to be honest with you, of what college, college football looks like. So I love it. I love yeah. number one. I love the energy, but I love the analogy of Jesus and the twelve disciples and keeping it small and being intentional with relationships. I mean, obviously, you're a head football coach. You want to win on the field. I yeah. get it. But in a world in a time where we get so caught up in wins and losses, and we lose sight of the intentional relationships because. Yeah. We want to win so bad we sacrifice those relationships. Yep. <clears throat> so I love the fact that your focus is intentional relationships because I do believe that that translates to success on the field. Um, maybe not today. It may be a yeah. year, but it works. And the fact that you're focused on sending young men out into the world to make a difference is is huge. And what a 
I mean, and what you described about people talking it and not living it, it's it's all over the church. It's all over, like you said, it's all over sports, but it's all over life, right? I yeah. mean, and that's the danger we as Christians have is we compartmentalize our lives where this is my Jesus life, but you know what? Yeah. My finances and my career, that's stewards. I need that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I love it. I love just the conversation around, you know, it's it's in our in our name, all in. So right? yeah, hundred percent. It I will lose. I got asked a question uh once early early in my uh, development as a Christian, and I remember I was honest with him. He goes, Friends, would you let's just say you never win a conference championship or you never win more than half your games or you, you know, whatever he goes, but you bring four kids to Christ every year. He goes, is it worth it? And I looked at him cause I was an atheist. I said, no, <laughs> and it's not worth it. And, cause I was built into that. That is, what do they call it? They call it transactional coaching. I yep. was transactionally coaching. Um, but then it's like, well, no, that's wrong. Like that's a, that's a bad way to think. I'm a transformational coach. You've heard people say that I'm sure is, and that's what it's about. I care way more about your spiritual development and growth than I care anything about what you do with a ball on a field. And we won't be teased by talent here. And we want to be a team that is set apart. We want to be the light. We want to show it. I I don't know. Yeah. And I firmly believe, um, I firmly believe though, young men that feel valued, for who they yeah. are as a person, yeah. they're going to give you everything in the weight room. They're going to give you everything in the classroom, on yep. the practice field, and on Saturdays. So I just think it's, you know, uh, to me, that's what you're doing is is something that I think more people should do at all levels. Yeah. Not just college. I mean, it's high school level, too. You see the pressure to win is you know, it's, it's crazy. So yeah. is there somebody in the profession that you look to as a mentor? Uh, you know, maybe it's not just mentoring you as a coach, but as a man. Yeah. Uh, so I always believe that you need to be being discipled. Like if you're going to disciple and you're going to pour out, you need to be, you need to have a tight group uh, uh, guys. I think about uh, the guys who really kicked me off on this journey are just Phenomenal men. I, I I would not be who I am today without them. Uh, at, at Trinity, they were. It was Kirk Warrett, um and Lamont Butler, uh, just two phenomenal human beings, men of God. You got to have them. They just talked it, lived it, and really helped me unpack what you said earlier about religion and uh, relationship, right? Because I didn't have a beef with Jesus. I had a I had a beef with religion. And once I unpacked that, man, the floodgates opened and everything changed in my life because of real relationship. Now, I talk to those dudes every every week and, and we talk about Jesus all the time. And more recently, uh, after knowing Kirk and Lamont, I, I've been being discipled by Scotty Kessler. I don't know if you know who he is. Um, he was at PLU for a while and he his whole mission is to compete biblically and it's a whole movement of coaches who break their, uh, man, there's so much in it. It's so hard to talk about, but just break the hold that the scoreboard has on you and to be coaching for transformation and, and to build the kingdom. 
And our job as coaches is to build the kingdom. But Scotty is my discipler, uh, my mentor right now. I mean, those guys changed my life. And they've changed. I mean, I'm not the same man I am today because of them. And then more recently, I've just by God putting us together. Uh, Eric Tresky at Wisconsin Lutheran. We've been involved in 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 talk man we, he's a young head coach who wants to change it and be different as well and so we talk about this stuff all the time lee tenenhoff who is at briarcliff i mean we talk we get a zoom like this going uh once a week in the off season just so we can talk about how to compete biblically and those guys are just phenomenal people that i that i got to work with and and learn from and it's just i i can't thank them enough because I I'm, I'm new. I got all the gas, you know, I got a lot of energy. I'm new to the game being a Christian, but I'm hungry and they help me a lot because sometimes I don't know the words or the, <laughs> the exact scripture verse. Um, yeah. And those guys, I think if you want to disciple, you have to be discipled, but those guys are just phenomenal resources for me and their friendship means the world. It's awesome. I love the term compete biblically. Yeah. That's awesome. It's this whole movement. You got to check. I'm just letting you know, he's got a, Scotty Kessler's got a YouTube. I'm going to do the plug here, a YouTube page. Um, he did a, uh, at Florida international university, I believe they did a master's course for how to compete biblically or coach biblically. He's got probably 36 hours of it's crazy amount of YouTubes of him teaching this master's levels course on why this uh, this is what you should be doing in in your in your field, and he sent me those. I've watched them about eight times. I just put them on the background. Scotty's in my ear all the time. We're on the text. We're on the calls. Marco Polo's stuff like that. But I would tell any of your listeners if you're looking for something that's going to just blow your mind, I would look into Scotty Kessler. I think he's got a website, ScottyKessler.com, and he'll. <laughs> But you better be ready because <laughs> you better be ready for it uh, and, and ready to get after it. So it's it's definitely it's been a really fun journey learning that because he gives you a framework because I feel like every coach wants to coach biblically. But then the how and the, the why is normal, right? We want to build men for Christ and make disciples of all nations. Uh, but then it's the how. Okay, I'm interested now, even Stuart, and talking with coaches, Christian coaches, about finding out, okay, how are you teaching Bible reading? How are you teaching Bible memory? How are you teaching prayer? How are you teaching service? How are you teaching these things? What's the vehicle? I know, you know, like, what is it you're actually doing to get these fruits of the Spirit to grow in, in on your team? So that was a long answer to a pretty easy question. It could have been four names, but... No, that's awesome. No, I love it because I, I think that competing biblically is is powerful because it's you know it's pointing back to to the Word of God and not just talk. That's awesome because I and I like what you said about we all need mentors. We all need we all need to be disciple because and I, I'm a firm believer in that. And it took me a long time. I, mean, I grew up in a Christian home, grew up in the South. But I was an adult before I truly realized the value of having men pour into me. Because I think sometimes as men, we view that as weakness. I don't need help, right? But I can't pour into others if I'm not being poured into by someone else. So that's huge. 
Yeah. So you mentioned um, being married and uh, two young kids. So, you know, being a head coach at a college is demanding. So how do you balance it with being a husband and a dad? I've been on this journey <laughs> of, of changing. So I, I, I believe, like I said earlier, that college football is broken. I believe it's a broken system. And I believe Jesus Christ is the answer for it. Now, work-life balance. When I was at Trinity, I didn't have much. And my wife, we had met while I was coaching. And she's not a football wife. She's actually, she's a, what is it, second-generation immigrant from India. And her family, man, they got a story. That's a whole different, uh, her, her grandfather's a 93-year-old pastor, still pastoring a church, Christian from India, came over to this country to evangelize, been bringing the gospel. It's 93, still bringing the heat every week. He pastors at multiple churches over Zoom. He's just phenomenal. But anyways, my my wife is a, man, when you're talking about a woman of God, she is it. And she lives the gospel. So when we started on this journey, I'm just, uh, you know, I was, I just became a Christian I was moving up in the ranks in the college coaching world and like, I didn't understand a lot of it, but when I'm looking at my priorities, everybody will always tell you, Oh, God first family, second football's third. And I'm like, yeah, but we were talking about you spent 16 hours today in the office. When did you see your kids? And so family, isn't that important? So you're a liar. Well, that, the whole hypocrisy thing on actions and beliefs to me is always where I come back to with Jesus. And I always wind up there is like, okay, well, if I really value God more than I value my family, I will spend more time with God than I spend with my family. Now it's like a checkbook, right? Every dollar you spend is a, you know, or for us in seconds of the day, every second you spend in those areas is, is deposited. And if I have more deposits in football than I have in my family, then I'm not being a good father. And for me, a lot of people call me coach, lots. And only three people, well, two people call me dad and one person calls me husband. So those, those labels for me are way more important. So um, how do I balance it? So it's hard as an assistant because you work for other people. But as a head coach, I've been on a mission, man. I've been on a mission to change this this thinking in college football. And now it, people, some people think of crazy. Some people think it's brilliant, whatever, but the things that we did this year, shoot, I could tell you, Stuart, I was at home for dinner every day of the season. I made it home for dinner and I didn't come back in the office. I was home at four thirty, five o'clock every day in the season. And we won more games. So one of the big things that we did to help that work-life balance and it, we just nailed it. I just felt like we nailed it. I, wife was happier than she's ever been. Everybody's, you know, so when we started practicing at 6 a.m. And we started doing morning practices. And the guy, the players early on were like, uh, and overwhelmingly after the first week, just all in on it. They loved it. And so for work-life balance, like, shoot, <laughs> We're out of the office at 4.30 almost every day. We don't, we come in late on Friday. We don't work on Sunday. I'll never work on Sunday. Don't ask me to work on Sunday ever. I, will, I, I won't be at a school 
if you guys want to reschedule a game on Sunday, we'll take the forfeit. I'm not playing. Like, it's the Sabbath. We will honor the Sabbath. Anyways, it's just you have to draw um, guardrails. You have to put guardrails in your life, right? I got the do not disturb on my phone that goes on at 8 o'clock. I won't answer a call after 8. My staff knows that. My players know that. That's just the way it is. And I have to say no to a lot of things to protect my wife and children and to protect them. So I am probably more um, focused on work-life balance because it, it had, I'll be honest, we've only been married three years and the first year it, it was not pretty. It was not a pretty picture of what a marriage should look like. And it's affected us because that's those foundational years, the first year um, it's affected us. And so she's a priority. She's the biggest priority I have on earth. I mean, in the Bible, it says that the, your marriage is the closest relationship you will have to Christ in the church ever on earth. And I wasn't treating her like Christ loved the church. And I saw that. And I had guys who uh, discipled me through that, that she's more important. Like if my wife looked at me today, Stuart, and said the work-life balance isn't working and college football isn't where you should be, I would leave. I would leave in a heartbeat because she's the most important person in my life. And, but my actions have to reflect that. And if they don't reflect that, I would tell you I'm a bad husband. The same thing with being a bad dad, but I will refuse. I will refuse to let the enemy make me a bad husband or a bad dad, because those are the two closest people who I will be judged for on the other side, right? Like those, those relationships are the most important, um, and I'm trying to build, I mean, I'm trying to build the godliest marriage I can. And I'm trying to help my children, even at two and f- six months old, be the godliest children they can be, um, man. And it is, I'll tell you, that's the hardest part of the job. That's the hardest part about being a man. And <laughs> that's the scariest one, you know, but it's been, it's been fun to kind of rewrite that, you know, not protect the desk for 18 hours a day but I still grind with the best of them. If they need me in here and I got to get it done, I make sure I call my wife first and, you know, and I don't miss out on some things. I just won't do it anymore. That's awesome. I mean, that's, cause that's what your kids are going to remember, right? You don't want them yeah. to resent your career when they get older because it's so many coaches are, yeah. So many coaches are bad dads and, and yeah. you hear about it. You hear about it later or bad husbands and you hear we all hear it, right? Every coach has heard it from older coaches. Like, oh, make sure you take care of your family. But then the first chance you get to watch an extra hour or two hours of film at night, instead of loving on your wife, you're in the film room watching film, but we're, we're missing the mentorship. You're missing the, missing the message from people who have done it, who have taken the wrong path and are, they have regrets and they're telling you don't value your fan, you know, value your family first and the rest will fall into place. But we, as coaches, we just, we're just so passionate about the game it, and it's, we're just so passionate about what we do. And to be honest, I think the devil uses that passion and, and diverts our attention. And I feel, I feel very passionate. I feel passionate that that's happening and he's attacking us through our passion and keeps us focused on football X's and O's and scheme and keeps us away from, making disciples, building a Christ-like home. I mean, those things, I just think the devil, I mean, he's a pro, Stuart. Like this dude, he'd been doing it for 2,000 years plus, 
he knows how to get us focused on the screen all day. Yeah. And not to mention another value of what you're talking about is building a family is you got kids on your team yeah. that they, some of them may not have ever seen a godly marriage. They've never seen a, a good husband. They didn't have a good dad. And so yeah. if you model my family is second or third, then that's what, when, when they, get married, that's what they're going to remember. But if you model a godly marriage, then that's what they're going to remember, and that's what they're going to emulate. So, I mean, I think living it out in front of your your athletes is is key. I mean, that's part of – I think that's part of the calling of a coach. You know, when you're talking about the whole person, you know, you can tell them your family's important, but, yeah, if they don't see it. Yeah. You talked about being an atheist – coaching at Christian schools, but not really being a Christian. Uh, this question really is is to a coach or is to an athlete that says they're a Christian, but is living like those you described where they say it, but they're not really walking it. How would you encourage them to, to take the step? Because it's not easy in today's world to be bold. How would you encourage them to to use the platform they have as a coach or an athlete to be bold in their faith? Yeah, it's I always tell people it's too important. Uh, it's too important a battle that I being lukewarm to me is the scariest thing you could do as a human. Either be cold and don't believe or be hot and be all in for Jesus. Now, Lukewarm people says in the Bible, I'm going to misquote it. He will spit you out of his mouth, if I'm not mistaken. I don't want to be in the lukewarm. Now, now that's a scary part. That's fire and brimstone stuff. But the love that we've received from from Christ, the the salvation that we've received is supposed to be shared. And we're called to build, make disciples and to grow grow, grow the family. And you can't, I I don't want to shoot on people. I to say that all the time. I don't want to shoot on you and tell you what you should be doing. But biblically, our job is to show the light to others is to shine. And I always say there's no growth and comfortable. If you're comfortable, the devil's got you exactly where he wants you exactly where you want you. So I would tell you, if you feel nervous about being bold, if you feel uh, scared about sharing the gospel, good because God's got you exactly where you should be. And the next step is always, I always think these two questions, if you want to be a Christian, these are the two questions. Everything boils down to these two questions for me. What is God trying to tell me? That's number one. And two, what am I going to do about it? So if God's pushing you to be bold and pushing you into that platform as a coach, if you feel the movement of the spirit to be pushed out there and you don't respond, then for me, you don't believe. And I know that sounds harsh, but if God's pushing you to the platform and you don't respond with obedience, you don't believe because Christ died for you. And, and if, if you don't believe in that and you don't believe in what he can do and the transformations that can happen, then you're not, you're not reading the same gospel I'm reading. I, I, I believe that. I believe that it's so powerful and it's so, it's so magical, man. We got to spread this thing to the nth degree. And I always say if, and Stuart, I don't know if this 
rather like if people don't want what I have in Christ, then I'm not living as boldly as I should. If you don't want what I have, then I'm not shining the light bright enough. And so, yeah, that makes people uncomfortable sometimes. And sometimes I'm overwhelming with my passion and excitement and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm trying, all I'm trying to do is spotlight Jesus. Mm. And if you feel uncomfortable doing that, good. I felt uncomfortable at the beginning. I shoot. I still feel uncomfortable. The devil gets me all the time. I've been only, uh, I've only been a Christian for five years. And every time I start speaking uh, about Jesus, I always get a little nervous. Like, oh, you're not the guy. I remember what you used to do. I remember how you used to believe. I remember what you used to walk. And that's just the devil. He's just whispering in your ear over and over again. And he's trying to derail you from the mission that God has sent. And you have been called to something bigger. So just jump, just go, go all in and don't, don't look back. Don't look back at all. Just, it's okay that you feel uncomfortable because God's working on you and he's growing you. So if you, you know, that's where I always come back to. Like, if you feel uncomfortable, good. Cause God's got you right. Something magical is about to happen. So, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, this is one of my favorite questions. Cause I love to go back to this. You know, you talked about what is God telling you? So clearly, you know, God's working in you. You talked about competing biblically. So, is there a, a verse that God's shown you recently that's really like impacted you that you would, you would share? Yeah. I, you know, building programs for so long, Stuart, I, the one that keeps coming into my head, uh, Galatians six, nine, uh, mm. do not be tired. Uh, do not grow weary in doing good for at the right time, you will reap a harvest. If you do not give up, uh, that's the one that always gets me right now because to be honest with you it building programs uh basically from the ground up for the for 18 years has you know been it's taxing and sometimes i'll be honest sometimes like uh like man i'd love to go to a place where it's already built but then i really think about it, i'm like no i don't i want to build i want to be a part of the build i love the build part but it's frustrating sometimes and Galatians 6, 9 is just something that we just come back to all the time over and over again. And then the other one would be James, uh, the set number, uh, James 2, right? Consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because the, uh, the testing, know that the, uh, let the work, uh, let perseverance finish its work in you. So eventually you'll be lacking nothing. Um, those two verses to me, my wife is tired of hearing them. Because anytime we face a trial, I'm like, well, consider it joy, baby. Like, you know, and those two have just really pushed me and motivated me for a long time. You know, what's interesting about Galatians 6, 9, I mentioned I grew up in a church, grew up in a family. And so I remember Galatians 6, 9. um, But I don't think until recently, the last four or five years, it really resonated with me because I think it's not that I was taught it wrong, but I think when I would read it for years, it would be don't grow weary and doing good, you'll reap the harvest. I never really zeroed in on until about the last four or five years, if you don't give up. Yeah. And I think that is a very critical piece of that verse. It's like a lot of times we go, okay, God says, don't grow weary and doing good. You know, I'm going to reap the harvest. Well, where, where's my harvest? Where's my harvest? Yep. Because I've probably given up. And so, yeah, I love, you know, Galatians 6, 9, I have it on my phone um, an alert on my calendar every Friday morning um, at 6.09, I 
I get a little thing on my on my phone that just says Galatians six nine. Yep. Actually, I put it on my family's calendar, so my wife and three kids get it too. I don't know; they probably hit ignore. I don't know; um, they awesome. get tired of it probably. But um, that's just my my way of, especially a Friday morning. Don't give up on today. Yep. And don't be focused on Saturday because I still have Friday. Yep. So that's good stuff. Hundred percent. I love it. Well, I appreciate it. I, I I took a lot of notes, um, which I love to do because it, you know, sometimes I feel like these podcasts, I get, you know, I get harassed if I go a month or two without releasing one. And and honestly, if I go back and look at the notes, half of them, if I never released them, I still feel like that God used them to to encourage me. And this is this is one I know um that that fits that. Um, I, you know, I wrote down a lot of things, so I appreciate it. No, I appreciate being on story. I mean, it, it, anytime anybody wants to talk or, uh, they have questions or they want to learn more about crown or hear more about Jesus, I'm open to any conversations and all conversations in that, in that vein. So. Wow. Thank you again to coach friends, his passion for Christ, his passion for his family, his passion for others is so contagious. So I just thank you for for listening to his story, and I, I hope you've been encouraged. I, I hope you'll share this with someone. We'd love to hear from you. You can look us up on any social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, in the search bar. Just type in All In Sports Outreach or go to our website, allinsportsoutreach.org. Find out who we are, why we do what we do, opportunities to pray, to serve, and to give. Again, thank you for listening. We truly treasure your support and your prayers.